welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Designers, Howls is excited to announce a brand new initiative focused on serving your specific needs as design pros. Howls Pro is a new pro-exclusive destination where you can access new tools, education, and analytics to take your business to the next level. You're invited to explore Howls Pro, which includes the brand new CRM tool to manage client inquiries, marketing to build your company brand, plus Ivy, the incredibly popular designer software for managing your business. Learn more at pro.house.com. Hi, and thanks for joining the podcast. Today, my guest is Liza Hausman, VP of Industry Marketing at House, the residential remodeling and design platform and community for design professionals and enthusiasts. After working in ad agencies and several innovative startups, Liza came to House quite serendipitously, and now, eight plus years later, is a key figure in the platform's expansion and evolution, especially when it involves the trade. Two and a half million design professionals are listed on House worldwide. While it is a comprehensive resource and tool for them, it is no secret that House has stirred controversy in the designer world one that was exacerbated by its 2018 acquisition of Ivy, the popular software for managing one's design business. It seems, however, that with the acquisition, where the Howls and Ivy teams are fully integrated, Howls is making pro-designer changes in its platform. Liza and I discuss some of these changes, some of the trends that Howls' recent surveys have illuminated, and what it is about designers that keeps her attention. To get a more personal glimpse beyond Liza, the creative strategist, I asked Lee Rutenberg, one of the founders of Ivy, to paint a picture of Liza. Here's what Lee said. Hi there, this is Lee Rutenberg. So I've been tasked with telling you a few fun facts about Liza. I'm not going to get into how smart she is because after listening to this podcast, it will be evident because Liza's just absolutely brilliant. What I am gonna tell you that when she is not working, you can either find her on the tennis court because yes, she is a competitive tennis player or you can find her performing because she is the lead singer in a cover band. And I recommend for anyone that's ever finds themselves out in California, they should go watch Liza perform. But that is not all. This Wonder Woman, of course, this fashionista, should I say, makes her own clothes and, uh, you know, she'll knit her own sweaters. And not only that, she's a maker in the whole sense of the word because she'll build and remake furniture and sew upholstery. And she's just really incredible with her hands. 
She even had a jewelry line um, that she sold through boutiques in LA years ago. So she really is this multifaceted woman in the whole sense of the word. And it's inspiring to work with Liza and it's inspiring to learn from Liza. Without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Liza Hausman. Hi, Jen. Hi, Liza. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining the podcast today. Yeah, very happy to be here. So I want to just say that I love that your last name is Hausman and <laughs> and you work for House. Yeah, I like I tell people it's karma, right? Since I, I didn't create the company, I wish I had. Yes. Uh, but I think between the Z in my first name and the house in my last name, it was uh, serendipity that I ended up uh, with this job. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. I want to get to know you in this podcast and all the things that you're doing at House. So I'm going to dive right into it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, first thing I did when I wanted to find out more about you was go to your LinkedIn profile. And there I saw that you majored in rhetoric. That just made me super curious. And it didn't surprise me because you're an amazing speaker. And um, I chose writing for a reason. I'm more comfortable in that format. But tell me a little bit about studying rhetoric and why you chose it. Sure. Um, and it's funny because uh, it, it really isn't a speech and debate major, even though my speaking now might give you that idea. I think I became a public speaker at House uh, from, from necessity, uh, not because I thought that that was something I loved to do. I was probably more like you. I was always a writer. Uh, I started off as an English major and switched to rhetoric just because I found it um, of a more more interesting set of professors and, and classes. Um, most people go to law school. I actually thought I was going to go to law school uh, after that. But it actually turns out that rhetoric's great preparation for marketing is it's all about crafting a message that will resonate with a particular audience. It's who is my audience, what's important to them, um, and how do I speak to them in a way that's really going to make sense to them. Um, and so it's been that, it was kind of a great launching launching point for a marketing career. Yeah, I hadn't, until I looked at your, um, your profile and then went to Berkeley's page on their rhetoric major, I had never heard of that. Um, and I wondered, hmm, if they had that when I was in school, I wonder if I would have chosen that. I mean, it just sounds so interesting to me. And then after, after your undergrad, did you go right into business school or did you take some time? Uh, so I took some time. I worked for a couple of years for an ad agency in San Francisco. Um, I had actually written my thesis uh, in college on Nike's ad campaign to women at the time and thought it was, again, really interesting how they were putting together, you know, images and copy and concepts that really, I was like, hey, why are my friends putting these ads on their walls and their dorms? Um, that's super interesting what's going on there. Uh, and so I ended up writing about that particular campaign and what they were doing. And so that kind of led me into, into advertising. And I worked in advertising for a couple of years um, before going back uh, to business school. Wait, tell me, I, I missed it. When you said, um, what ads were they were they hanging in their rooms? Uh, Nike. So Nike, there was kind of a, a female version of the Just Do It campaign that was kind of all about sort of empowerment and uh, and kind of owning your, your experience and your life. And so I looked at 
um, I had some friends that were physical education majors and they had a lot of interesting um, you know, material and, and studies around women's control of their bodies over time. And so Nike, the Nike campaign kind of tapped into that idea of, you know, of control and um, kind of what you had control over and obviously, you know, putting on your shoes and going out for a run, you have control over. And mm -hmm. so again, my friends were putting these ads up on their walls and I thought, huh, why is, you know, why is this resonating with all these young women out there? What's going on? Um, so I guess, you know, I always thought it was interesting how how messages were crafted to uh, to resonate with certain groups. So you went to um, Kellogg School of Management. And so I'm thinking all along, you've been an amazing student in, in uh, undergrad. I mean, in high school, were you on? I liked school. I liked school. I, I definitely enjoyed school and learning and, and, and studying. I think I wasn't like a you know, I'm doing this because I have to get all A's, but more because I found certain things interesting and thought it was fun to, you know, kind of dig in um, on the topics that, that interested me. And as a mom now, do your kids follow that? Do they love school? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I think every kid is different. I think my daughter is definitely wired like I am. Um, I think my son really gets into the things that interest him. He likes to build computers and, you know, but, but he, he kind of, uh, I think he thinks high school is, is like boring in general, <laughs> but, you know, teachers, I don't think teachers really, a lot, very few teachers, I think can, can engage the attention of, you know, 16 and 17 year old boys. I think that's the challenge. I can't even imagine having that job and trying to keep them, trying to keep them engaged. But, uh, but yeah, I know, I think, I think they're similarly intellectually curious kind of about what's going on in, on in the world. Actually, I think it's an interesting, I always say like, I feel like our generation, we were much more savvy locally, like went to parties, knew what was going on in our town, but a little bit clueless globally. And then with the internet, this generation knows everything that's going on in the world and has opinions and wants to fix things, but they're like kind of much slower socially in their own little, in their own little world, hmm. kind of much more sheltered. So I don't know, interesting differences in the yeah. generation. It's definitely interesting to watch our kids, I think, and how they're evolving. Um, so when you went to business school, what were you thinking? Um, like, what were your big career goals then? You had already tasted advertising. What were you, where did you see yourself? Yeah, honestly, at that time, I thought I would be a product manager at a big packaged goods, you know, consumer packaged goods company, because when I worked in advertising, I worked on consumer, on uh, like Clorox and Levi's and Taco Bell. And so that's kind of what I knew. And I thought, oh, I could do that job. Um, but then I ended up not doing that at all and going into a, uh, taking a management consulting job for a couple of years before jumping into a startup world. Um, I was in San Francisco and kind of everybody in the company, you know, and kind of around 1998 kind of picked up and, and went to a startup in the Bay Area. So that's kind of how I ended up getting into that world. And how many um, companies did you work with before you got to house in that sort of startup tech world? Gosh, I haven't counted. How many think? I think significantly, probably five. Or what was your? Let me let me ask you another question. Before you got to house, and that's where we're gonna go after this. But what was sort of one of your jobs pre-house that 
that really made an impact or where you felt um, that you loved? Gosh, I, I would say almost all the jobs I had, I loved. The first one that I went to, um, the first startup that I went to actually um, was called Home Warehouse, and it was a home improvement e-tailer, uh, kind of on a very early kind of e-commerce and uh, home improvement content website um, that became uh, Walmart's site. And I loved that because it was it was so entrepreneurial, right? It was kind of jumping and building something that never, you know, that never existed before. And I think I had that kind of took that same mindset to the subsequent companies where I love kind of building new business models, um, you know, and kind of telling the story and creating a need when something didn't exist before. And so I think one of the things that, that's um, one of the things that resonated me most, you know, me most about house, which is like, this totally makes sense. Nothing like this exists, you know, when I help people um, and pros kind of understand this, you know, this huge opportunity and, and build a bigger market and um, kind of that entrepreneurial aspect of it, I think has always been really appealing. How did you get to house? Like how um, did you, did they find you? Did you, did you find them? How did that yeah, happen? so just another kind of fun serendipity story, and I think like um, kind of I think a good uh, a good work experience for people earlier in their career, you know, any, maybe anywhere in their careers, but early in the careers to kind of recognize that any conversation could turn into a job, and you just never know. So um, I was introduced to the founders through a mutual friend, not really as a job interview, but just to kind of share knowledge and um, and connect and we just really hit it off. Um, I thought they were super smart. I thought the business, you know, resonated with me personally, having been through a home renovation um, uh, and we just hit it off and we're like, well, you know, that was it. <laughs> Ended up joining the company. So um, you never know where things are going to come from. And how old was House at the time that you joined? Uh, House was like a year and a half old, maybe. Um, yeah. And you've been there almost nine years, approximately? More than eight years. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so from the time that you started there, uh, what did you start as? What was your first job? Uh, it's this job. I mean, you know. Okay. The, yeah. It's the same, it's the same, same title, same job. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been, uh, the VP of marketing in a couple other companies before, uh, joining house. So, um, it made sense. And I'm, I'm sure like all of our jobs sort of morph and we're always given more responsibilities. Um, I'm sure your job has evolved a lot. So what was it like? I mean, just everything gets richer and, and deeper um, as time goes on. So how has your job changed or what have you seen as the most dramatic change in how since you started? Yeah, it's been it's been really fun, honestly. I've you know I've had the privilege to evolve along with the company, um, and you know been allowed to kind of focus on new things every you know uh, every time we had you know significantly new parts of the business. So when I started, you know, really focused on building out the pro community and launching you know our our advertising program. Um, you know, then when we added e-commerce, I got to focus on building the initial trade program for designers and. Um, working on uh, helping to build out our our uh, vendor community, um, and now I focus, uh, you know, much of my time on helping build and roll out products and services created specifically for the professional community. 
um, kind of really spending a lot of time with our product and engineering teams. Um, so I've, I've really been very lucky to kind of, you know, have a, a wide, uh, broad marketing role um, and to work on work on different things over time. Um, but amazingly, it's still never the same day twice. I, I really don't have a typical day, which is pretty, pretty incredible. Right, right. And how's was as far as listing these pro listings and um, being a source for finding architects, landscape designers and everything? Was House one of the first databases for that? Yeah, I mean, we, we were really the first, what I, what, what I call is, you know, pro, A, providing a 360 degree view of the pro. So there were other places where you could just see text listings, you know, about professionals, but there was really nowhere, you know, and a lot of it had to do with what was going on with technology at the time. But House really said, look, this is a visual industry. You know, you, we need to have visuals for people to really understand you know, all the amazing things these professionals can do and also for professionals to differentiate themselves, right? Like when I, when I first started, pros would say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want this to all be about the lowest cost bid, right? What they loved about house was people would come to them and say, I want to hire you because I love your work, not because you're going to do this for the, you know, for the cheapest price. And so they were really be able to build their brands and differentiate themselves, you know, based on, um, the quality of their work and their and their expertise and so how's really pioneered that sort of visual you know the ability to kind of get that full view you know visual and brand story about each pro does your job take you worldwide are you constantly traveling um well fortunately we have wonderful virtual communication tools so i don't have to travel constantly and we have great people around the world that i uh, I, I was in uh, both Tel Aviv and London in December, um, kind of talking about some of our new products coming out with our international teams. So we're certainly a global organization. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of, again, one of the other fun things about the job is just to, you know, see how House resonates in, in all these other countries around the world. Right. So I, I'd love to talk a little bit about House and Ivy. And um, it's been two years since House acquired Ivy. And um, that was an interesting time in the industry. Um, There's a lot of reaction to it. How do House and Ivy work together? Yeah, you know, it, it's been two years, so we really are one one team, one fully integrated team. You know, the, the goal of joining forces was really to be able to put more resources behind supporting the design community with these tools. You know, they, they wanted to be able to build more faster and get it out to the design community. So, you know, since the acquisition with more resources, we've been able to launch an Ivy app, um, provide a larger support team, expand Ivy to the UK, Australia, and Canada. We've launched features like room boards. Um, you know, we, we have an, a, you know, an advisory board that we build to kind of get constant feedback um, from the community. And, you know, I think one of the great things about the Ivy community is they, you know, really even from that, that day and, and even before the acquisition, right, were great about giving feedback about what were the priority features, how can we make things better? Yep. Um, and I think they have, you know, been very loyal and consistent about doing that. You know, we said to them, look, you know, actions speak louder than words. We're going to keep investing in building and, you know, show you that we're committed to um, 
to you and to your businesses. Um, and similarly, you know, they stayed on board and gave us both, you know, positive and constructive feedback, um, uh, you know, that we've been able to take and turn into to great new features that have made the community very happy. So, you know, we've delivered a lot of new tools and features um, and, you know, we're, we're on track to triple the number of firms that are using Ivy uh, since the acquisition. So um, it's going very, very well. And when when somebody is on um, house, when a professional trade professional is on house, can they, is there a button on house that they can sign up for Ivy? You know, is it like- Yeah, that's, that's a great question and that's coming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our goal is to make that more seamless for the design community and for professionals in general, which is like, hey, um, and it's great that you brought it up because we 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 launched a pilot um, uh, kind of at the end of last year, and, and more information will be coming out about it. And I know it's one of the reasons that we're you know that we're working closely with you right now is that um, we've launched uh, a specific uh, pro dedicated um, kind of portal or area on House called House Pro. And the goal there, and and we're in the process of continuing to build it out, is to have one pro-exclusive place where designers and other pros can go to find all the tools and resources on house, whether, you know, free or part of our subscription program. Um, they know that it's pro only, you know, it's completely gated um, and they won't have to go to different parts of house uh, to find information about advertising or IV or the trade program. They can go to one place um, and get access to all of that really easily. Okay, that's that's fantastic. And question about your marketplace, um, with res- respect to this sort of gated trade community or portal, are there items on house that will be specifically for the trade or not? Yeah, no, we have that right now. Oh. Actually, we, we've invested a lot, and in, so we have like a specific a design specific um, experience uh, for. Uh, designers enrolled in the trade program. We have focused on like, again, just in the same way that the IV users gave us feedback, the trade program and designers were like, you need to have these vendors. These are the vendors we want to source from. These vendors are trade only, et cetera. So um, whatever we needed to, you know, what we needed to do to bring those vendors on board, if they wanted to only have their products show up for um, the trade, we support all of that now. And so we absolutely do have products that are available to the trade only, as well as products that are available to both consumers and trade, but have in the trade program, very specific trade pricing. Sure. Um, so that, uh, so that, that, that difference is clear. Okay. And I'm curious, number wise, how many users, do you have that information and can you share it with how many users are on house? Uh, pro users or consumers? Consumers, or- actually. Like, oh. yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have over 40 million unique users using House every month. Designers, House is excited to announce a brand new initiative focused on serving your specific needs as design pros. House Pro is a new pro-exclusive destination where you can access new tools, education, and analytics to take your business to the next level. You're invited to explore House Pro, which includes the brand new CRM tool to manage client inquiries, marketing to build your company brand, plus Ivy, the incredibly popular designer software for managing your business. Learn more at pro.house.com.
www.thepeopleshow.com. So I went on last night to, I'm going to Philadelphia at the end of the month, and um, and I know off the top of my head several Philadelphia designers, and so I thought, oh, because I'm planning a day where I can see a few of them. And I went on to, you know, Philadelphia designers, and it was so great to see um, some of my friends there. Actually, one of my friends came up at the top of the list. <laughs> oh, really? That's great. Yeah, it was that's, like, that's go a, Christina. That's a savvy friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I kept, I scrolled down until I found a few more that, that I knew. And uh, But it was, as an editor, um, and I used to go on, when I was blogging and I was freelance, I used to go on House and you know, to find some talent um, and then contact them, contact yep. them on my own. And um, I haven't quite honestly used it as a tool for me recently, but in my research on you, I discovered again that it's a great tool for me. <laughs> I mean, it's really a great research tool, I think, for, for um, and there's so many editors and bloggers and um, people like me out there. Um, to find professionals, you know, that you want to interview and bring into stories and put in the magazine. So I'm excited to, you know, to, to delve further in that. Um, but I also want to talk to you. One thing that I, I think you guys do really well, and it's improved a lot since I first took um, a look at it, is your content that you provide. And um, do designers pitch content to you for stories? Yeah, they do actually. So, you know, we, we, we have an editorial team at house, um, and we have, uh, an email address editor at house, uh, that we may kind of make available on the website and some professionals. And we have like a little blurb that says, Hey, you know, we're looking for inspiring spaces with good design solutions, right. You know, things that have a unique point of view, ideally. Um, and so we, uh, we, we very regularly interview pros. And I think you've also seen some of our video content. Um, sometimes we'll actually do stories where we send a team uh, to a home uh, and, and film a story about a homeowner and how a professional kind uh, uh, of solved whatever design challenges that um, that uh, homeowner had in particular, but um, even if we just interview pros over the phone, we're always looking for pros to send us a link to, you know, the project on house so we can see it um, and a kind of a little blurb about, you know, what's the unique angle, what problems they solve or what was interesting about the materials. Just, you know, you're an editor, you know, what's yeah, the hook? What's exactly. The hook? What are they going to want to hear about? So you get it. You're a great person to communicate this. But um, I know when we've done some education sessions, I think with the, with editors and PR people to help um, designers and other pros get better with their pitches, which is like, it's a wonderful project, but you got to give me the hook. And so, um, you know, the more that designers can send us um, some of those hooks in there, then that's great. It really helps the editorial team. Right, right. And I think actually we'll be talking about that at KBiz in the booth. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be great. And then... I was watching a few of the um, My House videos that featured celebrities. Yep. And now my my question is, are these celebrity, um, are, were they on House? Like, how did you make the connection between the celebrity or did you just, was it like, would you like to do a story with us um, or were they already looking on House? Yeah, so it's kind of a combination. Um, a lot of them use House and then a lot of them use House saw like one of our my house stories with some other celebrity and they love 
the they love they love it and they want they they write to us and say I want to do these I have a great story so I don't I don't know if you picked up on it but like the the main angle of them is um, basically the celebrity gives a renovate like the gift of a renovation to a loved one yes right who's yes. not who's not a celebrity um, and so you know when they many celebrities have seen these episodes. And they think it's just such a wonderful feel-good story that they want to participate. And obviously, they have somebody in mind in their life that they also, like, you know, are excited about doing this for. And so, it's kind of, it ends up being a real win-win for all of us. Yeah. Gosh. Um, mm, that that gives me some ideas. But yeah, I watch a little bit of Kristen Bell's, and um, <laughs> no, it's it's great. I I really enjoyed it. It was and it was filmed really well. So you've got a good team there, for sure. Next topic of conversation that I want to cover are the house surveys. You do co several comprehensive surveys a year on home remodeling and decoration. We do, yes. Right. How many do you do and a year? So we would do three big ones a year. So the biggest one is our house and home study. And that's like a comprehensive study that has um, some... I guess it's it's a little bit about features and finishes, but it's more about like what are people doing, what are they spending, where is it happening? Um, you know, we have more than two hundred thousand respondents in the U.S. alone, um, and we started doing that when I started. Kicked that off in in twenty eleven. Um, so the fun part is, you know, we can we can look back at data and compare data over the years. Right. Um, so that's that's the biggest study. And then we do two other big kind of trend studies, the kitchen study and the bathroom study. Okay. Um, what we're talking about at KBiz. Um, and that digs more into like, you know, the materials and finishes and choices that homeowners are making with their renovations. So like what what's changing in style? Is farmhouse still popular? White cabinets going away? You know, and when I do the when we do these presentations, you know, professionals are always want to know about shaker cabinetry and is white is white or white cabinet still popular and anyway so we get into a lot about you know what what's what's the flooring what's the tile what's the backsplash you know sure. what are, what are friends and um kind of for each of those of those main rooms and then our fourth study is focused specifically on the professional community so we have a study called our barometer study which is kind of more of an economic study we have a panel um, you know, of about 5,000 professionals. Uh, and the, so the same professionals kind of give us feedback each quarter. We run it quarterly. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and we ask them more about like, more about how their business is going. So is revenue growing, decreasing, staying the same? Um, you know, what are their biggest challenges? Is it labor? Is it insurance costs, right? Like what's going on in the industry? And so it gives us kind of a great, um, kind of leading indicator about, you know, what is, what is uh, pro sentiment for the coming year? You know, how are things moving quarter over quarter in terms of business growth um, uh, and, and those types of insights. So it's, uh, those are the kind of the four main studies that we do. Okay. Um, I, I want to go into each of them. Well, not the barometer one right now, but, okay. but one question about your, you had mentioned with the House and Home Study, 200,000 respondents as your biggest survey. So I just want to know, who are those 200,000? Yeah, so they're homeowners using house. So we send out the survey basically to our user community, mm -hmm. our consumer user community. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a long survey. Like, it's like a 
60 question plus question uh, survey, um, and we get responses from all over the world. The 200,000 is, is the U.S. alone. Um, we get, you know, we usually do some global versions of the study uh, as well, but they really are, they're the users of house, people that are renovating and decorating and do hiring you, professionals. Yep. Do you, I mean, with 40 million users, though, are you looking at a certain, um, are you sending it to, to 40 million or do you take a chunk? You know, because 40 million is a, so much and yeah no you know we said we do we send it to all of our registered users and so um if they get the newsletter they're going to get the survey and you know different people obviously take it each year because you get people cycling through or busy with projects um but it ends up you know it uh you know if you talk to our uh to nino who's our um lead economist or principal economist um you know, when you look at surveying techniques, it's a very representative sample uh, of that 40 million. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about the bathroom. Were there any surprises that you found um, when you look at the results of these surveys? And let's just start with bathroom. Any big surprises there? Um, big surprises. Uh, think about the, in terms of the, the surprises. Or I think no, I, I mean, I think I think seeing that spend is continuing to increase was a surprise. You know, you keep waiting. We, we've seen spend rise for several years in a row now. We keep waiting for it to level off. And so I think it was obviously a pleasant surprise that um, spending doesn't seem to be flagging on these major renovation projects that, you know, the money, the money continues to pour in. Yes. Um, and that and, and, and even though like with all the trade tariffs that we see going on, and, and this holds true for kitchens as well, we kind of expected that, you know, with the with the cost of materials going up, that we would see kind of a, a, a dropping off in spend, or at least a flattening off in spend, because the costs are going up. Nope, you know, we still see spend increasing, uh, continue to spend to increase year over year, both for bathrooms and for kitchens, even, even though it's more costly to do the renovations now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I was um, a little bit surprised, not that I know that much about luxury vinyl tile, but one of the um, things that popped out was that non-tile floors, the use of non-tile floors is rising. So wood and LVT in the bathroom. Yep. That, yep. that was something. Yeah, no, I think I was too. And it's funny because I actually went to, to Nino, our economist, and I was like, Really, really? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? She's like, no, you don't understand that the the quality of the material and what they're able to do with it is nothing like what you you know think of in terms of vinyl. Um, right. and, and that's hundred percent true. And so I think like the technology for that material has you know grown leaps and bounds, and it's so practical in space in wet spaces like bathrooms and kitchens. Um, you know, in this year's kitchen study, we actually, um, hardwood is still the number one um, flooring choice, but vinyl's up to number three. And, you know, I think we, we expect that kind of similar to quartz that that will continue to grow because it is such a practical material and the technology has made it beautiful um, and kind of unrecognizable as, you know, the vinyl that you might have seen in the 70s or 80s. Right. And I was thinking also because in, in the House and Home study, the biggest group to remodel, um, the age group is from 40 to 74. I combined two of the sort of two of the groups, but thinking about LVT as a more forgiving surface when you're older, you know, um, and so for like living in place right. and all that, I was just thinking it could, it could be a, 
a safer choice than than very hard tile. At least when I think about my parents, <laughs> I think about that. So, um, but I think yeah. You're, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you're right, and and you know less likely to have any damage and need to be repaired in the future. There, you know, there's a, there are a lot of positive aspects if you're thinking about you know staying in your home for the long run not even from like a, right, I'm going to be disabled, but more just from a, this is going to be a practical choice mm -hmm. for living in the long haul. Yes, yes. Um, also, the flat bottom tub, that that seemed to be um, a style that that is super popular, um, the most popular choice for tubs. Yeah, I, I, I think it is probably just from a surface area, you know, standpoint in terms of like, you know, Having, having room to move in the tub uh, it just continues to be very popular. But I, I was thinking, okay, so, you know, we all use our brains to decipher information differently. So in the bathroom study, I'm, I'm reading about the showers, the most popular, um, the most yep. popular uh, piece of the puzzle to upgrade. And then I'm thinking about the tub. And to me, like, the tub is kind of, I mean, I love a bath, you know, but how many showers do I take to a bath? It's disproportionate. So... Um, but the tub is such a piece of sculpture. It reminds me of like a chaise in a room that looks great, you know. Um, how often do you, do we take the time to like recline on the chaise and? <laughs> right. You know, it's very, it's very true, right? And then every time you fill up the tub, at least in a water in California, you feel guilty. So it's it's uh, you know you're right, and 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 actually like you know. The trend that we've seen in masters for a number of years, if, if you have the room for a tub, like if you have a very large master master bathroom, you're going to put one in even for just the sculptural effect, 100%. Um, but if you're, you know, if you have to make choices, then what we really see is that, you know, folks don't enlarge the bathroom, they take out the tub, and they convert to a, you know, a lux more luxurious walk-in shower that has sprays or right other bells and whistles in it. Um, that give them that kind of spa luxury feeling, you know, that they have a sizable shower, that they're not trying to, you know, cramp things together. Right. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll take out the tub in order to do that. And I also think, like, to your point about the aging in place, you know, putting in showers with no tub and a no threshold shower is something that we see more and more of. Um, and, and again, it's another good choice for staying in your home for the long term. Yeah. For sure. Um, with the kitchen survey, which is not out yet, um, when will that go public? Uh, I think it's January 9th. Yeah. Okay. And then will you be um, speaking about that at KBiz? Is that what you said? We will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. In the booth, um, we will be talking about it. Can you give us any little teasers? <laughs> any little? Few yeah. Little I well, I'll give you my, so our, the, I think the teaser and the thing that we were really amazed by is, I mean, islands have been popular for a while. I think what we really are seeing this year is like island as the crown jewel. So we are seeing like the majority of people put in islands that are six feet or longer and a good chunk of people that are like putting in seven foot or longer islands, which are just absolutely, you know, enormous islands. So much more focus on having the contrast. So like a blue island and a contrasting countertop and contrasting cabinetry colors and, you know, islands that are big enough, not just for storage, but for appliances, you know, dishwashers and wine storage that are going in an island. And so we're seeing just like a, a just 
that island becomes like the jewel box in the middle of the kitchen, mm -hmm. not just kind of the convenient space with bar stools. You know, it was always felt like the island was pendant and bar stools. Um, but now it, it is like the show, the showstopper, the showpiece of the kitchen. Yeah, it's like the stage. You know, you're up there behind the, the, the behind behind the podium. It's the podium of the kitchen. Um, but a very large one. And is there a place on the website where you have all these surveys that people can go look at? Yeah, if you go to house.com forward slash research, all of our studies are published there. And it can be, there's um, the study, a press release, uh, and a downloadable um, version of the report. All right, so uh, Liza, in your bio um, that your team sent me, I read this. Over the last seven years, <laughs> She's worked with interior designers, architects, contractors, and landscape designers to remodel and decorate nearly every inch of her home in Palo Alto, California. So I want to talk a little bit about your own passion for design and um, sort of, um, you know, is how's your playground and have you always been interested in, in home or has it kind of blossomed with your job? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Well, house certainly is a playground, right? It's, it's, um, uh, every, you know, I think we, we used to joke is that we would hear from from designers that clients would come to them and they'd say, oh, make my house house worthy. Um, and, and so working here, I kind of have, feel the same way, which is, you, see, you know, every day you're like, oh, this could be a lot better. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can improve this. This space could be a lot more beautiful. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I've, I've always I, I think I've always had a passion for design. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a modest house, but with great art and furniture. Um, I had a family friend growing up who was an editor at Architectural Digest, so we always had that around, and I was exposed to great design kind of at a pretty early age. Um, and uh, and so I always loved it. As I said, it kind of went, you know, my first startup was in the home improvement space. Um, I've always been a little bit of a, of a, a maker, and, you know, I like to make things and, um, and kind of have that creative side. Uh, so I, pre I appreciate design. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, I've definitely been in the in the process. We went, went through a major renovation of my home even before I joined House. And so when I joined House, I knew I knew what the pain points were um, and uh, but did another renovation, um, you know, after joining House, you know, hired a landscaper, did the yard, um, had a, you know, worked with interior designers on, on the interior. So I've, you know, had a lot of experience um, with the process. Mm -hmm. And is, is your, any parts of your home featured on house? Uh, yes, actually. Yay. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're in the photos of the pros that I, that I hired from house. So both my landscape designer and interior designer, uh, had the spaces photographed and, and put them up on house. I, I can send you links if you want them. Oh, no, I'd love to see. Yes, I'm totally a house voyeur, so I would love to see. <laughs> um, so th this podcast is called SED, and it stands for something about interior designers. And since you work with them all the time, I would love to hear what you what, what is that certain something about interior designers? Um, what is it about them that continues to capture your interest? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think when I think about it, that combination of creativity and kind of knowledge and practicality of how to make a space livable as well as beautiful or stunning, 
because um, if you don't have both, it's not going to stay on the test of time. You won't love it. I think that takes a special talent. I think it's easy to create things to be photographed, you know, and um, harder to create wonderful things to be lived in. Um, and when I think about the recommendations the designers I've worked with have been able to make from, you know, smart fabric choices to layout to art that have really created a space that my family and friends can enjoy. I think that's, again, I, when I went to Europe for the first time, my favorite um, museum was the Kunstgeschichte Museum in Austria because it's an applied arts museum. So um, I started off studying art history in college and while I loved going to see all of the paintings that I studied, I really loved the applied arts. And so I think for interior design, it's exactly that. It's sort of like making art work with the, you know, every day of your life. Um, and so that, I think that's something I really appreciate. And then I also love the entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial side. You know, it's not an easy job. Um, and so I really identify with the kind of wearing of many hats and finding something that kind of marries your, your passion with, um, you know, the, the work and the business side of it. Oh, I love that. That was beautiful. Is there anything else that I have that you'd like to share that I haven't thought about? There is something else I'd like to share that I meant to mention earlier. Um, uh, come when we were talking about um, the design community and kind of the investments that we're making. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, the announcement recently, but we um, you know, one of the pieces of feedback we had from the design community is that they they didn't um, uh, they didn't like the product tags on their photos, right? Linking to products that you could buy on House, um, and so we actually uh, uh, made a change so that um, any pro on House um, can remove those tags, so that when someone's viewing their photos, you know, um, anywhere on House, uh, there will no longer be um, you know, purchasable products associated with them and the, the tags won't show up. And that was a really, you know, significant change technically for us, mm -hmm. uh, as well as just philosophically. And so I just want to make sure that, um, that that information got out there and that, you know, designers can just go into their settings, their advanced settings on their profile um, uh, and make that change. Oh, that's great. So toggle on or off and, and if you choose it or don't. Um, yep. Freedom to choose. Great. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because, yes, um, that was that has always been an issue. So fantastic. Yeah, it's a big change and one we're, you know, we're, we're excited about and we know the community has been excited about. And I just want to make sure that, yeah, it gets out there to everybody. All right. Well, thank you. And I will see you soon. Jane, I look forward to it. Come track me down at the booth. We'll find each other. All right, Liza. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Said. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, Visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.